Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Single Girl Problems Podcast, your one-stop shop for real relationship talk. On today's show, it's all about money, debt, and relationships. First up, to get a joint account or not to get a joint account, that is the big question today. Next up, how do you cope with a partner who likes to spend money but is also buried in debt? And finally, breaking up is hard to do, especially when there's money and assets involved. We're going to find out how to make it all work. But before we get started, a quick reminder, listener discretion is advised. During the show, we will be discussing, folks, adult content. This includes prenups, divorce lawyers, going Dutch. And remember that time you lied about being debt-free? Oh, yes, honey. We are going to go there. So pull up a seat, grab your snacks, and strap in. My guests today are two extraordinary ladies who have me, like, sweating and laughing before we even got started. And they know a thing or two about money and negotiating. First up, we have the author of the book, Living Debt-Free. Please welcome Shannon Lee Simmons! And next up, we have the negotiator, that's what I call it, the negotiating expert, Fotini Iconomopoulos. Hi, ladies. Hello. How are you guys doing? Good. Fantastic. Refreshed. Refreshed. <laughs> I can't with you. I can't. All right, so let's get into the joint account. To have a joint account or not to have a joint account, that is a question that we are asking. Now, according to experts, there's no one-size-fits-all approach to whether you should manage your money jointly or separately, but it can be tricky if you don't see eye-to-eye with your partner about money. So money is always a tricky conversation. Um, are there any questions you should ask your partner before opening up a joint account? Like, like what question do you ask? And can you say no if they are the ones to bring it up? Because my first reaction would be like, oh, hell no. Yeah, that's my first reaction, too. I don't want to. I feel like I need a background check with someone before I put my A full police FBI <laughs> background check. Yes. Yeah. Your deep, darkest secrets. I need to know everything before we sign on the dotted line. Well... I have a different approach. Of course, because you're the debt lady. You know no, better. Not only that, I see lots of couples trying to manage their finances, and especially, I think it's an interesting time because people used to, you know, get booed up in high school and then, like, marry their high school sweetheart. Mm. Now people aren't getting together until much, much later. Yes. You've got, like, a decade of just being on your own, doing your thing, spending money how you want it, setting up accounts how you want it, and now you're expected to merge with somebody else. It's way, the stakes are way higher mm-hmm. emotionally and financially when you're later in life like an app. Then when, when nobody has anything, it's like, what's there to protect? So I think the first question is like, do we have a joint checking account? I think the first question is like, why are we? Yeah. yeah what's, so what would be a reason for having a joint checking account? For like the mortgage and kids stuff? Yeah, to avoid fights about money. And okay. when you have, conju- like, if you have, more, uh, if you have a shared asset like a house, or if you do have kids and there's like, Childcare costs and all that kind of stuff. I think it makes a lot of sense to be coming out of the same place. And then people can equitably, not equally, 
you like put money into that account so they're like funding their life and they're like sharing the cost but in a way that's equitable not necessarily equal okay but let's be real here love is blind and makes people really stupid sometimes yeah. no no all times all times <laughs> a lot of times okay 99.9% of times makes people real soft in the brain so what should you be looking at is there a red flag that you should definitely be looking out for before you get into or if this person's trying to negotiate with you as to the reasons why I always think that if a person's like trying to negotiate with me as to the reason why I'm like yeah because you probably have nothing to lose that's why you are like all for this yeah. so is there like a red flag is there a question or, or something you should look out for that's what I want to know for me it would be so I, I would think the only reason for a joint account is exactly what Shannon said if it's if we have a mortgage to pay together or we have rent to pay together because both of us are contributing to this expense mm -hmm. I would expect to put both of us put money into an account where that can be drawn. so we're and we are literally just transferring that amount of money at the right time so that the mortgage right. not putting our whole paycheck isn't going That's into that I'd account thinking, okay going, if someone asks me then to put more than is necessary in that account yeah more than necessary to pay the bills the groceries whatever it is we've decided we need to live on then I'd be going why I mean, this is coming from a single woman, probably for a reason. Yeah, well, he, <laughs> no, but you're exactly, no, but I don't think you should give yourself a hard time because we're kind of in the same boat where we aren't 20 years old starting from scratch, meeting the love of our life, which is like, we would have jumped in and said, sure, because yeah. when Together. nothing and nothing makes nothing, so you have nothing yeah. to lose, but when you already have a house and you have assets... It's different when someone's like, let's join forces. You're like, I got, I got, I got. Uh, what kind of forces are you coming to me with? So I think that's what Shannon was alluding to. So yeah. it's not bad. No, I think that, I think you want to talk about debt. I call it, you know, you want to get financially naked with your Oh, jeez. You know what? I'd rather get physically naked than financially <laughs> naked. Is that weird? No, uh, there's like some, I don't have the statistic, but people would rather talk about sexually transmitted diseases they've had than their finances publicly. Like that mm -hmm. is a thing that people would rather talk about because talking about money and sharing your finances is so scary for someone people which is why it's often a, a fight with couples because they don't they don't talk about it well and there's also no like when you're getting to know someone there's no immediate need to learn that first date what's your credit report? Yeah. yeah but wait a second but those are the things that we were let's be real no one wants to say it but this is why i have this podcast these are the things that you are thinking about because when you talk to that person i think usually in the dating world maybe the third or fourth question is so what do you do which is code for how much money do you make? Right. Where do you live? Which is code for what can you afford? Do you rent? When they come to your house and they're taking a look around, you know what they're thinking? Okay, they're looking to see how dirty or how much of a pig you are. And they're also thinking, next question, oh, are you a renter? Oh, oh, you own. Like, these are all code words for how much money do you have? Women do it. Men do it. Like, so it is kind of like we don't want to ask. I think we've been raised in, in our society anyway that it's rude to ask somebody, like, how much money do you make? But we ask in other ways. Oh, those are nice shoes. I saw those at the store. They were $1,500. Oh, and like they're assessing what you can afford, and then they're judging whether you're doing those things on credit or if you can actually afford those things. So we do ask those questions. We do, absolutely. And I think we're assessing that because we're trying to see are we on the same playing field as far as like what I want to accomplish in my life? Mm -hmm. Like if I'm say if I'm a person that wants to you know buy a house one day and and have a family, mm -hmm. that just costs money. So I have to know whether or not this person is also in the same. Okay, do you want the same things? Are you gonna? Am I gonna have to support you? Thank you. I want necessarily. Am I dragging you? Am I the one? Am I gonna have to be your financial mommy? Right. I don't want to be someone's sugar mama. No. Nobody should, right? And and vice versa. Nobody should look at their partner and say, Are you going to? Are you gonna build with me? Or are you going to work against? Like, is it gonna be a constant battle between us? And I think that's what we're really trying to suss out. Not necessarily a number. Like, I don't think somebody wants on the first. Well, maybe they do, but on the first date, like I was listening. I was like, Shannon, yeah, we do. Now, on your, <laughs> on, yeah, on your dating profile, what's your income, your assets, and your liabilities? Okay, so. Um, I know a couple that did something that I thought was interesting. 
I'm, I don't want, I'm trying not to be judgmental. So what the girl, she was the one who led this, 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 this practice in their relationship. She paid, everything they paid for was 50-50, meaning like even when they went to the grocery store and they would pick up groceries together, when they got to the cash register, she would tell the cashier, uh-uh-uh, put half on this card and he's going to pay for the other half, which I'd never seen before. And I didn't grow up, maybe because I also didn't grow up with that. It was like, you're kind of like, you take care of it this time, I take care of it the next time, or I paid for this. It was kind of like, you're you're keeping checks and balances, but it wasn't literally like having a roommate where you're like, oh no, everything was 50-50. Now, do you think that's a, a wise or a, a smart way to do things, just to make sure that everything's always even, or is it cold and weird? Like, I feel like it is. Yeah. I thought so, but I'm. this is why I want to talk to Shannon. I'm like, Shannon, is this weird or should we all be doing this? So I think, I mean, it feels slightly extreme to do it on the spot. Where I see this creeping in in other people's lives is the reckoning at the end of the month. So people are buying whatever for the, for the house on their own cards, and then at the end of the month there's this spreadsheet. And then they sit down and they reconcile the spreadsheet. And if, so let's say one partner paid $300 more for household stuff than the other partner. And it, it often causes a, a lot of fights. So part of the reason I'm saying that is that often they're in my office being like, we can't keep doing this because, you know, the reconciliation at the end of the month is always a fight. Someone always feels resentful. Yeah. Someone always feels guilty. Mm -hmm. It's garbage. No one's having fun. And it's like this whole... This, the anticipation of it is horrible. It's dread, and so what can we do to stop the stop the, what's happening and still be fair? Because everyone wants to be fair. Nobody mm -hmm. wants to feel taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. And so there are ways that you can share the load mm -hmm. of the house without that kind of extreme um, itemizing. Yeah, itemizing. they're going Dutch on life. They literally going Dutch on life. Every single and thing. I hope that their incomes are identical because the person who's making less money, if that's the case, is really getting the shit into the stick there. Yeah, that is a good point. I mean, I I've done OK for myself. Mm -hmm. And if, if someone were to come into my life right now, I would be wondering who should be contributing what, because if I'm choosing to live a lifestyle in a house that's more expensive and so on, should this person have to pay 50 50 or if I love dining out all the time, yep. they don't. But I don't want to do, do it alone. Then should they have to contribute? And I I've had friends who love traveling, but their partner can't afford to travel. So then they end up sitting home doing their thumbs and they're pissed off and resentful because Oof. their partner can't afford to travel. But if they were to pay for the vacation they'd be equally resentful because they're like this person can't pull their own weight oh i'm i just paid for you're having a great time and i'm looking at you having your fourth margarita yeah. going huh must be nice yeah i pay for this entire thing but what about if it's on the opposite end where you meet a guy and he's the one who makes double what you make and you know men are typically raised to like i just pay for things i make more money than she does and i i buy the house what do you want babe and they come home with gifts women we are raised to be okay with that but if i'm a guy right now should i be saying well you know, I'm not going to go on that vacation because Fotini can't afford that vacation. He wouldn't do that. He would just take you on the vacation. Well, I know some guys who wouldn't. Yeah, I think it's, <laughs> really? I think it's changing yeah. for sure. The conversation in the last, like, five to ten years, I've seen that shift that yeah. because of, I think it's online dating, honestly. I think yeah. that people are going on so many dates, and there was this um, treating fatigue, as I call it, where Ooh. Like, um, I have lots of male clients who yeah. are really honest with me, and they're like, you know, I'd love to take a girl out on a date or a guy out on a date, but I am going on so many. I cannot afford to always pick up the yeah. tab because I'm going on endless first and second dates. Yeah. So I can't. So then it's this, because of the amount of dates that everyone just ends up 
saying enough, split. Yeah. And so then that that's kind of changed the conversation around what happens after those. First- yeah. No, you know what? I have a friend who I set up on a bunch of dates because he was like, I want to get out there. And I helped him. It was part of a segment for a show. And I got him 27 dates in a month, which I was like a pimp more than oh, I was a hell. It was exhausting. Oh, it was for him. It was exhausting. But what he talked about at the end, he was like, you know, that cost me a lot of money yeah, because he was a very nice, traditional guy. He was like, I'm going to take you to a restaurant. So we're, he's going to take he was taking the girls to places that he would normally go. So oyster bars and places that cost money. And he was like, at the end of it, he ended up spending a lot of money and he met nice girls. But there were no like keepers in that group. And I'm like, I didn't think about that. But I also feel like I mean, that's a PSA for everybody. Get out of this mindset, especially with the well, you're right with the way things are changing with online dating, where you have to take someone for a traditional date to a restaurant where it's going to cost you anywhere from $50 up for a, for a meal. You don't know this person. Go for a walk. Grab a coffee. Go for a walk. We have lots of scenic places in all different types of cities. Do something different. Do something that's not going to cost you money, but you're going to have a chance to connect with somebody. If you know how to cook, put together a basket and sit down somewhere and chit-chat. Because all you're trying to do on a first date is figure out if you like each other. You're not trying to assess whether or not... You don't need to do that over a $200 meal. You don't need to do that over a steak dinner. You really don't. And I don't know why people have it in their head. It's like, if you're pissed that you spent too much money on our first date, well, then that's your fault. Because what you could have done if you didn't want to spend that money, you could have been creative and said, let's meet here. Find out if she likes ice cream. What's a scoop of ice cream cost? Four bucks max? Take her for ice cream and then go for a walk. Go for a bike ride. Like. There's so many other things people like, but everybody's still in this mindset that you go to the movies, you go to dinner. And it's like, well, then come up with something. Hey, guys, think of something else. Be creative. That's just my angry PSA for people who complain about going to dinner. But I'm done. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Have you guys ever done anything really silly financially in a relationship in the past? I'll start because I feel like if I'm going to ask the question, I got to own up. There was an idiot that I dated. He was the only much younger guy. He didn't like. He was also the most broke person I've ever dated in my entire life. He was he was trying, but he just we were definitely not on the same financial level. And uh, he asked me for five hundred dollars, and I was really against. Prior to that. I never gave anybody any money, but he was like very, I trusted him. But even though I, a little part of me was like, he was like, I just need this because his car broke down because he had a broken down old car. And I was like, okay. Cause I think I was just tired of watching him struggle financially. And just like me always kind of like, okay, don't worry about it. <laughs> we don't have to do that. And I gave him the $500. And of course I never saw that $500 back. Yeah. So that's my dumbest thing I've ever done. But I also felt like I was also told, don't lend money that you're not okay with not getting back. And at the time, $500, I was like, I'm going to be pissed about it, but it's not like I gave you $50,000. Yeah. yeah. So anything stupid we've ever done now that I put my business on Front Street? <clears throat> I'm, I'm so risk averse. I, I don't. And like when my friends tell me stories like that, I have a friend who gave somebody the thousands of dollars and I was like, what? 
what are you thinking? Yeah. I mean, the worst I think I've ever done is when I was in my early 20s, I was dating somebody seriously mm -hmm. who never spent a dime on us, but could have, could find money to spend on golf. He was complaining he was broke and going out with the guys. And I was like, wait a second, you have no money to take me for. And but I you're golfing. And you haven't given me a gift in, I don't know, 18 months. But, and that was like Christmases and birthdays and all that stuff. And I was spending money on a really expensive hockey helmet for him and things like that. And that was my choice. That was my stupid choice. But at least again, it was like the hundreds as opposed to the, th the thousands. Just, oh my, thinking about it. Yeah, the, I never, I actually know a girl. She's married now, but the guy that she dated before she met her husband, he was like, to, you know how it's obvious? This is why I say love it makes people stupid. Because it was obvious to everybody else that the guy that she was dating, that relationship was in her head and definitely not in his. And he lived in a different country and he would tell her stuff like, I need to go to a special study group in Miami and I don't have the money because he was he was studying to become a doctor. And I was like, you know, I went to university. I got a couple degrees. I never heard anybody going to Miami for like, and Miami is a place that you're going for the special study. So she was paying for these things and she bought the plane tickets and she paid for the hotel and she was giving him spending money. I think she probably racked up a bill of like probably over. She she told us it was like $30,000, but I have a feeling she was lying and it was a lot more because she had her job. She's a smart. She was uh, good, she's not smart. Like I shouldn't say she's smart. She's bull smart but she didn't have any common sense so she spent a lot of money on that guy and at the end um it it was dreadful it of course went nowhere and it was not a real relationship oh, i know so sh come on shannon anything stupid ever oh before yes yeah I, I put it in the damn book i can't escape the story now forever i uh i quit so i worked on bay street i quit my job um to launch this project where i was gonna give financial advice so i gave financial advice for like things like lasagnas and bikes and stuff no money no money are you uh, it's true. It's a true story. Oh I was so, my I was God. 25. I had just paid off 30 G's worth of student debt, so I was debt free. I had 19 grand in my bank account, um, and we rented very cheaply. And I thought, like, hey, life, like this is the time to do this this thing. And the project was so successful. I helped so many people. I was so fulfilled, but in the background, I had run out of money after like, oh, I don't know, four months. I had saved up enough money, for, which was supposed to pay for my cell phone and my bill, or and my rent, yeah. and $35 a week. What the hell was I thinking? Um, for literally everything else. And in my, in my stupor of passion, I was like, oh, I'll just barter for everything else I need. Oh my everything God. I did not. So I, I was like, unless you're using yourself as a prostitute, I don't see how that's going to be lucrative. <laughs> I, I ran out of money so fast, and then was so embarrassed that I had run out of money because I'm a financial planner. Yeah. And I also had just quit my high rolling job. So I was my, like, he was my boyfriend. That is my husband now, Matt. He was also a part of this. You know, he, when when we hooked up, I was like shooting to the top on Bay Street. And he's like, <laughs> yep. And then I'm like, P.S. I'm quitting. And he's like, not part of the plan. Yeah. He's very supportive. But I didn't want him to worry that I had just thrown our lives into financial peril. So I just didn't tell him how much credit card debt I was about. Jeez. I never had credit card debt before. When you when you swipe your credit card and you know you can't pay it off, that's a weird feeling. You feel oh like you're God. you're lying. Been there. To yourself. Been there. To the cashier. Like I kept waiting for insufficient funds, but with a credit card, like that never happens. Yeah. So you're like, I'm broke, bitch, but you don't know. And then I it like falsely can like 
I felt like I could afford my life even though I didn't make it. Anyways, long story short, uh, after a year, I racked up like $9,000 worth of secret credit card debt. Nobody knew. Uh, absolutely nobody knew. That's not terrible. That's not bad. I was like, nine grand. Oh, that's... I was being militant with myself, and I, I was not even doing anything unrealistic, but I just... I you racked up this debt. I racked it up, and I didn't tell anybody. And yeah. That's where the shame comes. Yeah. It was like, I was like alone in it, and then finally I had to pull money out of my RRSP. Oh, <gasps> down payment fund to pay it off which is a very low moment it's a cardinal sin in the financial plan. yeah even i know that it's like ooh, you went to the retirement fund and so i had no income in sight you gotta hit that pole girl welcome to the stage <laughs> <I'm joking. laughs> your financial planner <laughs> Making money, She's making money here, right? Making it rain. <laughs> Homegirl just needs $9,000 to pay off that credit card debt. What do you say, fellas? Woo! Yeah. <laughs> you didn't do that, but I should have. <laughs> Still have that arm. I joke. I joke. My sister and I would joke because my sister went to law school, which is like a lot of debt. We joke all the time. And our neighbor growing up, his wife, his girlfriend who turned into his wife, she was a stripper. She came from another country, and she was like, this is the job I took because I, I didn't have the language and all of this stuff. And she told us, so they were living at his parents' house, and they moved out before my sister and I were able to, able to afford to move out because of her job. She's like, she saved $120,000 tax-free. And my sister and I looked at each other like... We took dance lessons. We could do that. Yeah. Couldn't be that bad. What? They're not allowed to touch us, right? Like, we really started to think about becoming strippers because we're like, 120 grand? And they were able to almost buy their house. Yeah. So that's why I was joking about stripping. I'm like, don't knock it. No, don't knock Tax it. Free. Don't Tax free. Tax free dollars. Oh, yeah. I know, but it's all, I know, it's disgusting. But it's all I don't good. No, I'm, I'm going well about the tax free because if you're going to buy a house, you got to deposit it, and then there's a paper trail. <sighs> HST. Like, just saying. <laughs> bring down my I dreams again going towards the tax consequences the tax yeah it's like the government's gonna catch you girl the government's gonna catch you free just yeah. i know we don't want to end up in jail all right so let's move on to the next topic how do you handle a partner who loves to spend money but is drowning in debt having different spending habits as we've just been talking about is challenging especially when one of you is also drowning in debt now according to research a third of adults have been with a partner who they later found out was in serious debt and one in five admitted to hiding <coughs> shannon their debt from their partner <laughs> <laughs> Shannon, <laughs> now you talk about this in the book, um, and in one of the, your one of your chapters, you talk about re reframing your debt. Explain yeah. exactly what that means. Okay, so the reason that people don't tell somebody about debt is because of shame, right? You're you're embarrassed, you're shame. You're not sitting there being like, haha, I want to screw you. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least I wasn't. Mm -hmm. It's that the idea of telling someone you're so afraid of the fallout from that. So, will they break up with me? Will they judge me forever? Will I not be able to start my my fear? was that you know you won't be able to start your own business because it'll freak him out so much you're gonna have to go back to Bay Street and the, the stake of that was like so high mm -hmm. that happened. it was all in my head but that's what I was afraid of and so if somebody's deeply ashamed they don't want to talk about it because mm -hmm. they're, they're worried about what their person thinks you, I think I would be like when I was in debt I didn't date I remember when I, there was one time I just like found myself in a lot of debt and I didn't date anybody and people were like why don't you date and I was like how do I say because I'm drowning in debt and I'm embarrassed <laughs> and I'm thinking I don't want to meet because I'm like I don't want to start dating and then meet someone who could be my future partner and then have to go so check this out I got a lot of debt I didn't want to be that person so I'm like bear down do what you got to do get rid of your debt so you are a clear person and you don't 
don't feel like you're a liability to somebody. And that's so, so what you just explained is a perspective shift. So like, yes, the debt was gone, but really it's the perspective of going from like, I'm, I'm a liability to somebody else that's yeah. going to impede my future to I am now a desirable person. But I just think the debt is never the enough. So mm-hmm. that person could have thought that about you regardless of the debt, right? But that's, that's your own perspective of yourself. Mm-hmm. When I'm talking about reframing, uh, it doesn't mean you don't have to pay it down. It just makes it a little bit easier. So sometimes we avoid debt. Like, um, completely don't even open up bank account statements anything because we're so afraid of it and sometimes if you can change your perspective around what that debt means then it makes it a little bit easier so I'll give you an example one of my clients uh, she had this leftover she got left that they planned a wedding she had put five grand down in deposits on um, like on credit cards and stuff like that mm-hmm. and he was cheating on her and the plug and like had to call the wedding off didn't get deposits back so she ended up transferring it to a line of credit which was like a smart move but this five thousand dollars is just chilling on this line of credit and she said something to me she said every time i log into my banking even if i'm doing something else like paying a bill i see it and it's like a punch to the gut it just reminds me mm. of that right and of that time in my life and so she didn't even want to deal with it she was doing all this other stuff because her idea of paying down that debt was like kind of letting him win yeah right and acknowledging it so could she have taken him to small claims court to get that money back you know i have no idea if she could have that's probably a question for a legal person because because I'd want to negotiate that I'm like uh, are you, all over that yeah I'm like oh we had a deal to get married and you screwed that up but yeah. my money went to those so uh, you can leave but you're gonna have to pay me 50-50 like at least $2,500 isn't that fair what if they don't have it find it call your mom <laughs> Call your dad. Sell your car. You have it. But maybe that's what that joint bank account was for. So anything we're going to pay for the wedding and so on should have come out of that account. Mm. It yeah, joint savings accounts are huge for those kinds of things. Too. True. Exactly this scenario. Yeah. yeah, so it's everybody's money. But, I mean, if I go back to your original question, mm. the question was about someone who has debt and someone whose spending habits are yeah. continuing debt. Yeah. So for me, they're two separate issues. If they mm. have debt, I can't, like, if, if you know, if, if I was looking at you as a prospective girlfriend... Mm. Thing and I go, she has debt, but why? Is she working hard to pay it off? Yeah. Does she have some Completely shitty circumstances? Agree. Yeah. Why, why, what, why am I in debt? That stuff? Yeah. Or maybe it's just like school. It takes you forever to get yep. yourself out of school. But if you're somebody who has debt and you're acting like you're rolling in it, yeah. I'm not dealing with you at all. Yeah. Because your value system and mine clearly don't match up. So yeah. I'm just writing you off. And I think people should pay more attention to that. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, because if that, yeah, I was in debt because of like living stuff, where it's like I just went through a really rough period, and it's like then you start using your credit cards, and it was like, oh, oh, life hit me. Yeah. It wasn't like I was going on trips and saying like, oh my god, put it on my card. It wasn't like I wasn't raised that way, so it wasn't that. But it still was, it was still horrible. Like I still felt horrible about it. Well, I remember when I was in my late twenties and I bought my first condo. <laughs> my real estate agent, who's also a friend, was telling me at that time. He said, you know, I'm actually dealing with more women these days than I am men in your age group, because he he goes and I. He he goes, I think back to when I was single as well. I was going and trying to impress, having the right car and having the cool stuff and trying to impress women and whatever. And he goes, and I just find my female clients, they've got their shit together and they're going, here are my priorities and here's what I'm going to get done. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think about that when I'm in the dating world as well. So yeah. when I'm meeting somebody who's really trying to impress me, I'm like, are you really capable of this? Yeah. Or is Am I going to find out later yeah. this is all yeah, on your MasterCard? Mm. I don't really give a shit about that type of stuff when it comes to impressing me. You can impress me with your personality. You can impress me with a lot of stuff. But material things, I've got money to get my own. The majority of my married girlfriends, the reason why they are in there, they even got into their first house was because of them and not their husbands. They were the ones that were financially more responsible. They were the ones who did the saving. They were the ones who literally plucked their husbands out of their mom's house 
in their room that they grew up in and was like, Support them from the suburbs. Yeah, no, seriously. And we're like, okay, we're doing this and I'm going to be the person in charge. And if not for them, I know all of their husbands would totally say, yeah, if not for her, we wouldn't have bought our first house, which allowed us to buy our second and third house so that, you know, when we expanded our family. I find most of my girlfriends are the ones who are doing a lot of the financial planning in their relationships who are like, this is what we're going to do. We want to go on a vacation. We want to do this. I've already done it. And the guys are pretty much kind of going, okay. They're along for the ride. I, I see this. So when I did work on Bay Street, I was working with high net worth clients. So million, $2 million liquid, just like mm. that level of wealth. So you're also dealing with like an older clientele. Yep. And in that zone, I would definitely see, you know, I'm speaking in generalized terms here. Yep. The man was having the financial meeting and, you know, the lady was in the back. Was was not really participating. And it was something that was really important to me to do that. Now I work with a different demographic of like everyday people. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, it is 90% women that are booking those appointments. I'm not saying that men don't come, but I'm saying the, the we call the financial quarterback of the household. Yeah. It tends to be the female. And making sure that like it's become part of that domestic labor right that yep. that part of that domestic household planning because money is how you afford the vacation money yep. is how you afford your kids going to school all that yep. stuff so it makes perfect sense and i think we're damn good at it so should we like i kind of like i like that but it also pisses me off i'm like yeah. so yeah because i feel like okay so if i'm gonna get married to you so you tell me i gotta make that baby I gotta feed that baby, <laughs> and then I also gotta do all the like. What are you here for? Like, what? Like, come on! I really look at my partner and be like, step up! Like, I need you to step up. I shouldn't be booking those appointments. This is for us. I want a partner, not somebody I have to treat like. A yeah, because if I want to have a child, then I'll have a child. I, d I think that there has to be a division of labor overall. But if the financial planning is falling more and more to the women, I think it's because they want it like they want to why aren't men more and I, i'm it's cur i'm curious about our this younger generation and why they're not stepping up why the men aren't the ones who are like okay let's take charge this is what we're gonna do i'm really surprised by that because they were typically probably raised by a generation of men who was like my a lot of my friends grandmothers were like when their grandfathers died grandma was like i don't know where the checkbook is I see that all the time uh, i don't know like my like we know we have people like that in our family where the husband died and they really left that woman scrambling so it's like i knew you were kind of raised in that household but the men aren't like that they're not like that at all i don't think it's a bad thing i think it is as now women actually taking a bigger role in the financial stuff which i think is a, is wonderful because as to your point mm -hmm. Before it was like the man would die, and the woman was like, "I don't even know how to. I don't even know how to pay." I don't even know what the pin number. I don't know what account. Yeah. So now I feel like it's just more equal, and I just what I mean by quarterbacking is like um, making sure it gets done, for, like making sure it gets done so like, mm -hmm. hey let's go on a vacation great is that three hundred dollars a month to a vacation fund what exactly what what account is it going to make sure that that's like it's happening yeah not just talking about it let's like roll it out that's what i mean by the quarterbacking yeah i don't know in my friendship circle i guess and even not just friendship circle but my community because mm -hmm. I, mean, I grew up in a traditional patriarchal type of community mm -hmm. i'm still seeing a real mixed bag and, and a lot of women whether they're from my greek roots if you will or the ethnic mm -hmm. roots or just women i met through work and so on they are passing that back over to the guy like the a lot of the females i know have their financial shit together because out of necessity mm -hmm. because they were single for a very long time and yeah. you had to yep. and then it's almost like as soon as a man comes into their life and they have a partner they're like oh okay now you can I hate that no 
I'm seeing it constantly. Oh, like, it pains me to watch it. And I'm that friend who turns into coach and starts asking. I go into consultant mode. And I was like, so, have you thought about prenuptial agreements? So when was the last time you went to meet with the accountant? And the, I'm asking these questions because I'm going, why aren't you seeing that this is a problem? Well, that you're going through this blind and he's not making great decisions for you. I know. And when you're single and you want to have that discussion, I feel like, it's not gonna met. It's not gonna be met with like yeah. happiness because they look at you maybe as you're a Debbie Downer, you hateful. But I'm like, people change their minds. That's why divorce lawyers are so rich. Like, I'm just having this conversation with you because it's like you don't know what the future holds and you don't want to give yourself like give this person complete control because if they change their mind about you, do you want to be like your grandmother sitting there going, I don't know where the accounts are. Tom took care of that. Like, do you really in this day and age do you want to be that woman? I just no, not in this. I don't know. I just. I I think it's crazy. Somebody in my inner circle, when I recommended, well, you might want to talk to a lawyer just to know what your options are. Should yeah. anything fall apart? Well, I don't think it's going to go there. I said, yeah, no one thinks it's going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't I know just in case it does, or at least I have my conscience clear so that I know I don't have to worry about that ever again in my lifetime. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's a very interesting conversation. and I, But it still baffles me that women still like... Love is blind. Stupid. Yeah. And I'm pregnant. So, I'm so, I'm so... <laughs> Sorry, Shannon. Shannon. Positive. I'm like, I think love is great. Shannon. <laughs> Shannon's like, look at like, look at these two dark souls. Shannon has a family and a nice child and a wonderful husband. And we're like, don't do it. Get yourself a prenup. They're going to take all your money. Don't get the joint account. He just wants to steal your money. We sound horrible, but I want to move on. So, you know, breaking up is a perfect segue. Breaking up is hard to do, but it can even be more challenging when there's money involved. So nearly one in seven, that's 13% of married adults, have a secret stash of money. This excites me. I love this because this is something that I would do. I made you disgusted. Yeah. <laughs> do we, like, here's the deal. Money is I think I get, it gets me excited because my mother is always, my mother is a fiscally financial person in our family. Yeah. Like, my dad is the spendthrift. My dad's like, the money will come. And my mom's like, no, that's not the way things work. And my mother always, like, sometimes I would ask her for money. And my mother would, like a, like, a mobster, she'd be like, hold on a second. And she would go into a secret jacket in her closet and pull out an envelope with just thousands of dollars. She's like, what do you need? And I would be like, what is that? And my mom's like, you should always have cash on you because you don't know when things are going to happen and you shouldn't rely on technology and you know, as you should, like she was always a very responsible person. So my mom, I knew always had a secret stash. That's why I love this. I'm like, but is it, is it mean to have a secret stash if you're in a relationship? Great question. Is it a mean thing? I was raised exactly the same way. Like, I, I know I can say this because my father's not listening ever. <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> but, like, everybody, every female in my family from both sides and mm -hmm. multiple generations has always said, like, even my dad's siblings have always said, you need to have your secret stash. You always? Always. Yeah. It was, like, my grandmother, my aunts, my mom, all of them operated yeah. that way. So, in my mind, it's normalized. I'm like, why wouldn't I have a secret stash? And if he wants to have a secret stash, that's cool, too. Mm. So, I was going to say, was like, because the men run the, ran the money back then, so the secret stash was for the women? It was for independence. Like, and, yeah. didn't have any. Yeah. My family right. would have been like, hey, if you have to flee, you've got an opportunity to do that. Yeah. You needed to you needed to get money from your spouse back then. Yeah. Whereas for now, I still think, why not? Like, I, I think you need to have your own little freedom. Shannon, I can feel Shannon's loving heart about to say something really nice. Go ahead, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> she's 
rational about, one. Yeah. When we talk about secret debt, everyone is like, yeah. When we talk about secret money, it's like, well, why aren't you sharing that? Yeah, is it mean? That's what I said. Is it mean? So I think it depends on the couple, and I think it depends on the reason why. So, so why is the fundamental underlying intention as to why that money? Because we don't trust people. Go ahead. That Next. Is exactly why. <laughs> so if you if you are in a relationship and you love your partner, but man, they just keep fucking spending money. You want to protect a little bit of a nest egg. I can get behind that. Like, okay, fine. If you have a partner who just is spending money all the time and anything that you put into that joint account is like gone or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but you love them and it's not to screw them. It's to like, you know. It's to keep the two of you afloat. The household afloat. Yeah. And you don't resent or hate them and like there's something going on there. Like, okay, fine. But otherwise it does feel um, like a, it's a lack of trust for sure under any circumstances. And if you are a have and the other person is a have, not and, and you're in a committed relationship i'm not talking about newly dating no no you're ma- i'm talking about relationship yeah yeah you're under the same roof or a common law marriage and you're sharing a roof why do you have secret money that to me it does feel it feels mean if if you're laboring under the we're all running the household finances together i think my mom always had secret like had, or my mom never had secret money but would always tell me that her mom did mm-hmm. because she didn't have access she didn't yeah. control the money so she would do the, she would clean houses in secret see like steal them like take the money i love your grandma oh my god she was such a badass <laughs> keep the money yeah. my grandfather wasn't a jerk it was no times, right? yeah and so and then she always had this stash of cash my mom always said you know i don't need to do that because your dad and i share our money and i'm involved and you always need to be involved in the money and so Mm. that to her was her why why you stole or or stashed money from your partner was because you weren't sure you were going to get some because you had to ask yeah my mom never felt like she had to ask permission yeah my mother never asked for money i I do think there's something about like that f off fund idea though like the mad money idea and i do like that like having that emergency account on your own it just makes me sleep better at night to know that there's a secret stash this person doesn't know about because as soon as your partner knows about it this is when they can be like well you know we could go to your stash and we can pay that off and i'd be like i don't want to i don't want to tell i don't want to that we're not touching my stash that's why it's my secret stash i kind of like that having that because life throws curveballs at you all the time so that's fair and i and when we put it into the context of having that like screw off fund or fuck off fund or whatever you want to call it where it's like you could peace on a job you could leave your marriage at any moment if you feel insane. you could help a relative, help a relative yep. and, you, and it's, it's yours like I can I understand that but I wish that there was a partner that was like that is yours I don't touch it it's all you you do what you will that would be the ideal scenario. Yeah, but come on. This, we're talking about people here. That's not the way people work. It sounds like utopia. Yeah. No. It doesn't seem realistic to me. I love the idea of what your mom has. I don't foresee it because we've been... I think the issue is, in my mind, I'm in my 30s, and I am in my late 30s, and because I've been alone for so long, it's really hard to imagine merging everything two values of building uh, building I your totally financial future agree together. with the later in life merging of finances and that need for like here's our shared stuff and the rest is mine and that's that and i totally respect that see and you know what that's not what it is for me because i in my mind whoever i marry is going to make a good money and hopefully way more than i do and i will still have my secret stash 
Like, so it's not about debt. It's not, it's just about, I love the idea that they, I have my own money because there's something about the independence. Cause again, I didn't get married in my early twenties. So there's, I love that independence and I like having something that's my own so that maybe on my birthday and I really want to treat myself. I'm not expecting my husband to know that I want that Max Mara coat. I can just go with my secret stash and get it. And when he's like, is that new? I can go, no, it's old. It's just in the back of the closet. <laughs> Cause we, yeah, women. And I also think there's a history of women hiding money and maybe it's not a secret stash but how many of us know a woman or someone's mom or an aunt who would buy things and hide it in the trunk of her car and wait till her husband wasn't home to bring it into the house and then when he's like is that new oh no yeah i've had this forever meanwhile she just took the tag off of it we've been doing this forever so i think the secret stash i think it's just i don't know it's just ingrained in us and you're right Shannon, you, I look into your beautiful eyes and I'm like, Shannon, you make me feel like a horrible miser, a tightwad, a penny pinching. This is mine. That's yours. And what's yours is mine. And what's mine is mine. But I still, I will always have a secret here's, stash. Here's a good justification for you, though. Make me no. feel better, Fotini, um, please. Okay. <laughs> when you look at the statistics around women in abusive relationships and things like that, Ooh, yeah. that's also a good reason for secret stashes. Yeah. yeah. I have some really wonderful friends who are super bright and accomplished and capable and all of that. And they've been in some really horrible circumstances. And without money, they would have been screwed. They were fortunate that they had parents yeah. to help them out yeah. first and last month's rent and all that stuff and getting out and all of those things yeah. like I've been involved in the late night let's move you out before he comes home crazy scenarios so in my mind that's another justification for having the first and last month's yeah. rent fund and the escape money fund or whatever you want to call it and I don't want to be that pessimist yeah but I do think there's some reality you want to leave yourself wiggle room the screw up fund is important to yeah. have absolutely no, yeah. no, I, I I agree. Listen, as long as you agree, then we feel better about ourselves. But I want to tell you one last... Pollyanna. No, I want to tell you one last hilarious story. There was a guy that I dated uh, uh, years ago, and we were heading out on a date, and his mother stopped me before we got to the door, and he went ahead, and I was like, what is she going to say? I don't know what she wanted to tell me. And she she said to me, do you have your VEX money? For Caribbean people, VEX means angry. She goes, do you have your VEX money? And I looked at her, and she's like, you should always, when you're going out, make sure you have, like, not a credit card, like cash vex money which is secret you could call it a secret stash you could call it vex money and she goes when i go out with my husband i always and she was a stay-at-home wife she goes i always have my vex money and i was like and then she gave me 20 dollars, and i was like oh i love that so you know your son's an asshole (laughs) which by the way (laughs) he ended up i know anyway i'm like she was secretly trying to tell me that her son was a jerk and i didn't pick up on it but even (laughs) even she was warning me about having having that financial independence that if you go to this party and he pisses you off because he flirts with another woman you don't want to be standing there feeling like garbage so here's 20 dollars to make sure you have your cab fare to be like uh uh-uh I don't have to deal with this. And I will forever be grateful. She was a lovely lady. Too bad her son, her son was such a piece of shit. But, but she knew it. So it's fine. But she knew and she gave me $20. So it's all good. From her to you. That's I know. I thought that was really nice. I'm like, I don't know if I would do that for my son's girlfriend. But she obviously knew something, which was well, interesting. Because now we have Uber. Yeah, we have Uber. No, and I would never leave myself in that position. I don't. Even on first dates, I always leave myself. I always suggest we do the date somewhere where I can always get home. He doesn't know where I live, but I can always get home on my own, whether I need to walk or take an Uber or whatever it is. I don't leave myself in those type of situations where he's driving me somewhere that's in the suburbs and I don't know where I am. Oh God, never. Never. Yeah, never. No, but there are women who are like, he has to pick me up. No, no, no. We can meet in a central yeah. place so that I can well, always. Yeah. People around. Yeah, that I know all the secret. Like, I can get away and get away from you very easily. 
easily. Um, we're about to wrap things up, but I want to play a little game of reach into my bowl, where I ask you guys a random question that you have to answer. <laughs> I love this part. All right, so let's see what we have here. How does a, okay, who should I ask? I know, because I'm like, who girl, who should I ask this to? I'm going to ask Shannon, because she's so sweet. Um, <laughs> I have, I have Listen, we don't care. You're a lovely person. Don't fight it. Um, how does a man win his woman back if he's cheated? What do you say? That's a heavy one. Shannon? Can he? No, okay. How? <laughs> The money expert is stopped. She is. How does he win her back? It's her choice. He can't do shit. He needs to apologize and then leave her alone until she decides. Okay, here, there you go. That's it. Fortini, do you it's agree? Choice. It's hers. Do you I agree? agree that it's her choice, but I think he has a lot more work to do than apologize. Like, I think yes. you need to demonstrate that you are trustworthy again. I don't know if that means therapy or something. Just promising I'm never going to do it again ain't enough for me. That's fair. So do you want your, if you got cheated on, would you want him to call you every day, check up on you, like, still, like, tr be uh, making, like, no. dropping off flowers, doing all that jazz? No, I mean, I think those, are, those aren't signs that I can trust you again. Those are signs of an apology, but it doesn't, to me, you giving me flowers every day doesn't signal that. You're never gonna do it again. Can we have some context? Is this a one-time screw up in Vegas, or Oy. okay? Because it's, here's the it's deal: oh, if gosh. you are having a full-blown relationship, there is no coming back from that. Yeah, maybe it's not. I don't know. Hard. I don't know if I could. Have, that's where that like. I don't know if I could trust. But then, then we're getting into the once a cheater, always a cheater. Because I really, and I know this because I've known some guys. I've known some. I've known some guys who've been <laughs> cheaters, and they got caught. But they got caught with one of the women that they had sex with, and they never would tell the the wife. Well. Yes, you caught me, but there were like 10 others before her. I'm really sorry, but they're never going to... Most cheaters, it's not a first-time deal. Like, I think sometimes, of course, there's always a guy that just kind of had a moment. But a cheater you know, usually has... Value a value issue. Yeah. I don't know that there's any coming back from that. I don't know, and I, I do agree with Fotini that, like, not only the apology, I guess it's also encompassing, like, somehow whatever that woman needs in order to feel like you're trustworthy again. Yeah. And then you do that, and then it's up to her. You just have to take it. It's not flowers and it's not big gestures. It's slowly demonstrating over time that you are trustworthy and what are you willing to do. Yeah. And I'm going to say to every woman who's ever been cheated on, if you really want to see change and you really want your relationship back, you have to put him out. You he has you have to break up with him and he has to feel the burn of not having you in his life. Him crying to you, uh, crying on your lap and, sit and saying he's sorry is not your, and you like taking him back right away, you're going to find yourself months or weeks or years later back in the same situation. If you really want if you want him to understand the gravity of what he did you need to leave him you need to put him out he needs to go get a one-bedroom basement he needs to see his kids on weekends he needs to really feel and like the like not being with you for so he can understand what he did and how he destroyed the relationship or the family and only then will you like and and you also take that time to like get yourself together because it takes a woman's breath away i really think when she gets cheated on and then after a year you slowly let him in but if you let him right back in it's i mean this is the negotiation stuff this is the human behavior stuff where just like with kids if they do something wrong and you go that's okay then they're going to do that wrong thing over and over or at least they have an open if they get to cry if they get to cry and you go oh i'm so sorry and then you that kid is going to do the same thing it's the same thing and then well i don't know what the consequences should be but i agree with you it's they've got to feel it otherwise there's no coming back they're going to do it again they're going to be like they're going to manipulate you and get right back into it i regret the apology that's right <laughs>
<laughs> do you see? You're a nicer person well, than we are. Like no, no, that's not nice. Stuff. Just like so top level. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't dig, dig enough. I'm like, he needs to be in a one-bedroom basement. <laughs> with cockroaches. With no, with one tiny little window that barely <laughs> opens. <laughs> and a rickety washer and dryer right next to his bed. <laughs> and hot, no carpet, no carpet. Tiles, nice and cold down there. <laughs> he, exactly. He's going to need a space heater for every corner of that one-bedroom basement for him and his whore. Um, <laughs> sorry, you can tell I've been cheated on. Okay, so thank you ladies so much. This was so much fun. Please tell people, Shannon has a book. Tell Shannon, please tell people where they can get your lovely book, Living Debt Free. The Living Debt Free is at any of your like bookstores online, anything like that. It's really fun. And she has another book, too, the first one. I have another book called Worry-Free Money. Worry-Free Money. Okay, and those are also available. All the bookstores, yeah, Amazon, everywhere. Okay, yeah. good. And Fotini, where can we find you, love? Everywhere, but probably Instagram is the easiest, at Fotini Icon, and that's where I'm sharing lots of tips and stories and things to help you be a better negotiator and get what you want. And we're going to have you back because you're writing. You're in the middle of writing your first book. Yeah. Look at how you guys, I wish you could see how stressed. You should see how stressed. It's like I asked her to open up a joint account. You should see how stressed she just got. <laughs> Friendly reminder to listeners to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Play Podcast, uh, Google Play Music, and Spotify. You can buy uh, my lovely book, Single Girl Problems, on Amazon.com. Send us your relationship questions or comments to Single Girl Problems Podcast at gmail.com. That's all the show. Until next time, bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.